listening to Pet Candy. Hey, pet parents. Welcome to Bees and Queens. I'm your host, Caitlin Palmer. On my show, we talk to fellow pet lovers and discuss the quirky and wonderful world of pet care. This show is brought to you by Petsy. Get instant access to veterinary professionals when you need them. Download Petsy today. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Janice Cobb, a lifelong cat mom. Janice Corey Cobb grew up in the wilds of northern New Jersey. Graduate studies in anthropology at the University of Alaska Fairbanks had, concurrent with her studies, provided ample opportunities to interact with both animals and people, thereby enhancing her awareness to the sacred bond we share with all animals, but especially with our beloved pets. In order to ensure the continued care and safety of Fally B, the beloved cat with whom so many Alaskan adventures had been shared, Janice had placed notes inside all of her books, her backpacks, and day planner in hopes to notify whomever should see them that if the owner should be found incapacitated, to contact the veterinarian whose contact information was also provided. Thus, the concept of Save My Pet ID tag was born. So, as if being an entrepreneur isn't enough, to complement her busy adjunct teaching lifestyle, Janice volunteers at a local no-kill feline shelter, contributes to various animal benefit organizations, notably to Best Friends, and also to the ASPCA. Janice, who shares her life with her four beloved cats, is also an avid reader, a gardening enthusiast, and also trains at Club CKO. Janice, welcome. I'm so excited to have you tonight. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm honored to be here. I've been reading Vet Candy for a very long time, and I just love your issues. But when I saw that one that talked about adoption during the pandemic, I knew I had to contact you. Yes. Literally everybody got a new pet over during the pandemic. This is so important because now, more than ever, people are going back to work, and they're going back to school, and they don't realize your pets are your family. They're still going to be there. Yep. And you have to ensure their safety. Right. Now, I'm an adjunct college professor. Tell us what, what, what is an adjunct college professor? First of all, it is not a position. It's a predicament. Uh-oh. <laughs> we are really the, the unseen staff, the wind beneath the wings, if you will, of the universities. Now, we teach because we love it. And I have a master's in anthropology, a four-field master's. And that was interesting, too. I went to the University of Alaska Fairbanks because they offered me a double scholarship. Yes. Yeah, you, you had a lot of stories about the Alaskan wilderness and, and Fally Bee, your Fally Bee cat. Yes, Fally Bee, my sweet little Fally Bee. My late husband gave me a Scottish fold. Um, we used to take, we used to live in Manhattan and we used to walk the streets. And when I had to go to the bathroom, I would tuck into a store and he had to buy something to justify my being there. So one store we went to, this goes back to 1984, was called Fabulous Felines. And I saw the Scottish Fold and fell in love with the Scottish Fold. Now, in those days, there was no internet or very, very little. The military had it. But Tom was a lawyer and he was very good with the phone and making contacts. So a couple months later, I get a phone call. Tom, dead serious, someone wants to meet us at the Kennedy International Airport. And I thought, oh, wow, maybe this is somebody from most of my family's in Sicily. 
So I figured, okay, somebody's come over to bless our marriage. That's what this is. We, we took a car. We went down there. And little did I know, but instead of a Glock in his pocket, Tom had a camera. So we're going by the cab, the, 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 um, the baggage terminal, and out comes a carrier with a tiny little calico Scottish fold kitten. And he was taking these pictures of how delighted I was. I thought my smile would crack my face. I was so thrilled. Uh-huh. Those are the best smiles when you smile so much your face hurts. Oh, yeah. And she had this cute little meow. She would say, wow. <laughs> she sounded so grumpy. She was so cute, my little Fally B. So what's, what's Fally B stand for? Is it for? Oh, I'll tell you what it stands for. I'm excited. Balden Bunzel. Okay. F as in Frank, A-E-L-D-E-N is Anglo-Saxon. It's a verb meaning to fold because she was folded. And the bunzel was just tacked in sort of like Mercedes Benz. Well, she was fouled in bunzel. Love it. Oh, how sweet. After my husband passed, I moved back in with my family. And at that time, I had only, I had my Juilliard degree. I had a bachelor's with honor from history. I had a teaching certificate from William Patterson University. But I fell in love with anthropology because in history, in history, the primary sources are documents. And I thought, you've got to be kidding. I can forge a document, bury it in the ground, have some worms go at it, and call it that. I want to see the bodies. I want to see the corpses. That'll tell me what I need to know. (laughs) That's awesome. And I had a friend who was a physician, an epidemiologist, who got me excited about paleopathology. And that's what I thought I was going to do. That's not what happened. I took the anthropology courses at William Patterson, got, got top scores, and I got a full ride to University of Alaska Fairbanks. And when they learned that I was a certified teacher, they said, because your, your professor, the one with whom you'd be working is away on medical leave, how would you like to teach his courses, his intro stuff, you know, level 100. And this was like going to heaven without having to die first. I was taking level 600 courses and teaching the 100 level equivalent. And when I applied to go there, I had to find a place to live. And I had only two criteria, and they were, has to be able to accept my cast, and two, will be within walking distance from the school. And so those requirements were fulfilled. Most importantly, cats, though. Oh, absolutely. But this was an interesting story, too, because living from New Jersey, New Jersey I didn't realize that indoor plumbing is a luxury in Alaska. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Hi, this is Shay, and I want to tell you about my new show on Pet Candy, Cooking with Shay. I make vegan eating easy and fun. Check it out on Pet Candy TV. Yeah, I forget that sometimes, too. And then I watch things about Alaska, and I'm like, whoa, what? Permafrost. It's permafrost. You, you just try to put pipes in permafrost. It doesn't work. Right. So there was an outhouse. And everything was fine, except when it got to be winter. It was 60 below zero. And I was going to go to the outhouse, and I found my way with the flashlight, my, all my under, underpinnings, and, and in there. And I, get, I opened the door, and there was a wolverine. A wolverine is the largest member of the weasel family. Mm-hmm. They're wicked looking, too. They're awesome, but that's not something I'd want to run into at night when I got to go to the bathroom. No, no. They, they will take your face off. I've heard they can be very aggressive. Yeah. It was looking at me. I screamed. It screamed. Well, that's what this was. We didn't need it then. It was 60 below zero. By the way, you want a score ice cream? It's 20 below. The same with brains, but we can get to that later. 
Next morning, I saw my I saw the uh, lady who owned it, and I said, "You didn't tell me this place was sublet. You didn't tell me." And she said, "What do you mean?" I said, "There's a Wolverine who's chosen to den in my assigned outhouse. I'm leaving, and I want my money back." And that was it. And I found got a beautiful little place on the other side of town. I could take a regular bus to get there, no problem. The spiral staircase. Valley B used to sit on that spiral staircase and wait for me to come home. And she got salmon on demand. Oh, baby. Oh, it was wonderful. And I would come home after being in school, and she would say, Where the hell were you? Oh, she's hungry, Mom. Oh, and she, even though I had food out for her, there's nothing that beats fresh salmon. Oh, well, no, of course not, especially Alaskan salmon. Come on. And she lived till she was 21. Oh, it was. And by the time she was about 13 at the time, she ended up with diabetes and hypertension. So I went to a doctor in North Pole, which was a suburb of Fairbanks, and I had the Norvask and the metformin made in salmon from a compounding pharmacist. Oh, goodness. And I would prick her paw to find out how much insulin to give her injection. And I would make, I would say first the insulin and now the salmon. Oh. She was such a sweet little girl. And when I was in University of Alaska Fairbanks, I told you I was going to do paleopathology. Yes. I want to hear about the brains. <laughs> oh, this was great. That, that, was, that was the next step. But with, this, with paleopathology, that is when you dig into the graves and you can see evidence of how the person lived from the skeleton. You know, when you have, um, when you work out. You're talking about like ancient, ancient bodies. Yeah. Right. But you can see, like when you can see here, what happens is the muscles pull on their attachment sites. They leave the traces. But you can also see diseases on skeletal remains. What led me to what I ended up doing was my love of coffee. Really? I had no supervisor, remember. So I was walking the halls, getting ready to register class for classes. Had nobody to tell me what I could take and what I couldn't take. So all of a sudden, I smelled some delicious coffee. And it was coming. I followed my nose to a small office that looked like a broom closet with a bunomatic in there. Well, right opposite that little office, that little tiny mouse hole, was a professor lecturing. And just as I was passing, he said that evolution begins at the nucleotide level. That was it. I moved right in there, and there was nothing that was going to get me out of that class. They would have to pick up the chair with me in it. <laughs> All because of that coffee, huh? That was right. And I sat there and I had to sign all these disclaimers and waivers to take the class because technically I should not have been taking molecular evolution. I had no background. I couldn't stay away. Yeah, that sounds very involved. I, can't, ugh, I don't even know. I don't even know where that starts. And when I sat there, I just soaked it all up. And yes, the first test, I got a 68. Sure. Well, that's still, considering you knew nothing about it, you weren't even supposed to be there, that's not terrible. But there was something about it that stuck to me. It just went to my very soul, and I began to read voraciously on it. No one was telling me to do this. I just couldn't stay away from it. It was like that saying with addicts, I can stop anytime I want to. Sure. <laughs> That's me with cats. I can stop whenever I want. Oh, please. I'd like to take in more, but I don't know how Roy would, would handle it. Oh, yeah. We mustn't upset the Roy. Listeners, Roy is a beautiful Scottish fold, and he's long-haired, and he's luxurious, and he's just... He's just the best. He's my sweet, sweet son. I actually have a video of him kneading for five minutes. 
Oh, making biscuits. You should, you should make biscuits. Yes. Oh, baby. They all have their own style. So getting back to Fairbanks. At that point, I just had to do it. And I fell in love with it. And it was one of those classes that starts out with 20 and ends up with six. And I was one of the six. So for my project, I was going to study um, with modern DNA, what we call a Kelex extraction from the hair follicles. You take the root and you, you, do, you do work with it. And I was going to see whether there was going to be a difference between the hair follicles of people who live on the Aleutian Peninsula and people who live in mainland Alaska. And as naive as I was then, I believed that I would have lines queuing out the door to be in this study. I only got two people. One, my next door neighbor in, in the, the holiday house where I was living. And then somebody, his friend who happened to be from the Aleutians. Turns out there was a difference in the nine base pair deletion, which Mark Stone King, a view of Penn, calls the Asian tag. It's in the non-coding region of part of the mitochondrial DNA. It would take an hour to discuss it, but leave it at that. So Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't understand what you said, but it's impressive and I love it. Well, I continued and I loved it. Now, I've had a lot of dental work done. And so it gave me an inside view. I somehow got it into my head that I could take ancient DNA non-destructively from teeth. And so while all of this was going on, my father was dying from colon cancer. And so in those days, again, there was really no internet. So the articles you get, you had to send away for. And I had an enormous red weld with articles to do my research. And when my dad was getting infusions of vitamin C, I was right by his side doing research. So I developed a proposal. And my dad was an international salesman. He studied with Franz Boas on the GI Bill after World War II and with B.F. Skinner, ideal combination. My dad was one of Carlson's raiders in World War II, which was the prototype of the SEALs. So I then was told, my dad told me that never to let a day pass without spending a half an hour on your contacts. People who could help you. I like that. That's good. Excellent advice. Yeah. So I, I connected with a man named George Rapp, and he was a mega primary investigator from the University of Minnesota Duluth. That's fascinating. It was. He liked what I had to say, and he invited me to meet him for lunch in Princeton. I talked with him, and he said, okay, you will be the molecular archaeologist for my dig in China, co-evolution of humans and landscapes. And off I went. That's so awesome. Oh, it gets better. I was at University of Alaska Fairbanks, and now I needed to buy the money to buy the reagents to work on ancient DNA in the lab. So there was the Otto Geist Fund. And the Otto Geist Fund gives you $80,000. And I was told, don't even bother applying for it. They only give it to cultural anthropologists. So I figured I applied anyway. So meantime, back at the ranch, I had interviewed at the, the ancient DNA lab in Thunder Bay, Ontario, for a bench. Now, this was a very, very interesting story because um, when I went back after presenting my, my, my ideas, the person who run the, ran the lab said, well, there's no room for you. We're booked from nine to five. And I said, what about four? And he said, didn't you hear what I said, nine to five? And I said, I mean four in the morning. So my time in the clean room, which definitively is utmost sterile conditions with a protocol that um, would boggle the mind. I was in that room, the clean room, isolated 
wearing full hazmat suit, different pairs of gloves, all the sterile techniques from four in the morning till nine in the morning, every morning, the last half hour I'd clean up with Clorox. Then I'd go to other labs, part of this great big lab, other, other techniques that I would use like restriction fragment polymorphisms to look for, to, to do more research, do electrophoresis gels, all of that. And finally, after five months of every day, Mondays, every day, Saturday, Sunday included, I discovered that I could take DNA non-destructively from teeth through a, a patented, a te technique I eventually patented called reverse root canal, where you broaden the end, you open up the jugal apex. I knew that teeth had to be attached to the body. Someone, if you had, if you had dental pain, you know. So I was able to use a variety of dental dental files to broaden that jugal apex, the hole at the bottom, and then use a series of titanium nickel files to tease the dentin out of the tooth, which is like, like collagen in the bone, it's organic. So you can use it to data site as well. And because the DNA from the dentin is not sullied by the crown and the whole other portion of the tooth, you get a stronger signal. So I discovered that that was true. And I was told I couldn't publish it because I was only a master's student. And the American Journal of Physical Anthropology only wanted doctoral papers. So I turned around and had it patented. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. If you love your pet as much as I do, you need Petsy. It's a free app that you can download in the App Store, and it is amazing. For only $20, you can talk or video chat with a veterinary professional immediately, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When you have questions about your pet's health, just Petsy it. Download the app today. Yeah, exactly. Good for you, because they would have taken that. Oh, yeah. When I returned from Fairbanks with my master's thesis in hand, my wonderful professor, Joel Irish, who's now, he's now at Oxford University, he had, I'm sorry, Liverpool University, he had said to me, um, you didn't cite this technique. And I said, what do you mean? He said, the technique where you take the DNA from the teeth. And I said, it's mine. I discovered it. He said, close the door. You never are alone with an academic ever. You have to have the door open at all times. But when he said, close the door, this was serious. You're like, oh, uh-oh. Something really good or something really bad is about to happen. <laughs> this is what he said. He said, you had better publish on this before somebody else takes it. This could be very important. So I, I had it patented, and then I published in Ancient Biomolecules, the Brit a British journal. So meantime, Fally B was still with me. And in those days, of course, it was a little easier to fly. It was before 9-11. And I would get her a little catnip, which I still get from the source that I have. It is so potent you could get busted for it. And Fally B was at 30,000 feet before we even took off. What? <laughs> Living her best life. Oh, yeah. It was great. So she traveled with you? Oh, yes, she did. When I went to and from New Jersey and Alaska, she was with me underneath the seat. And she was good traveling because I know sometimes at the clinic when when pet cats especially come in, they're they're yowling, they're so upset. But she was stoned; she didn't care. <laughs> in fact, she had bad teeth towards the end of her life, and when they're very old, you do not want to have hepatic lipidosis sit in when they don't eat. So 
half of her body was shaved and she got a morphine patch. And I went to pick her up. Her pupils were dilated and she said, hi, mom. <laughs> She's like, hey, man. That was it. But she passed away when I was in Albany and I was at SUNY Albany. She was yowling. Under the, and I thought I had it all together. I had charts and graphs with the insulin, with um, the metformin, everything together. I knew what it was doing. And so when I called the vet and a friend drove me over, it was in the winter in Albany. The snow was up to my chest. And somehow we got to the veterinarian, an all-night veterinarian. And I had all the charts, and I was sure he was going to save her. And he said, her values are half of what they should be. She's shutting down. And I looked at him, and I said, you're kidding, right? I'm reminded of that song, that, that, that aria from Fabri Galetto. Fu scherzo, non è vero? You're kidding, right? And she was dying. And the thoughts went in my mind. Hey, what if you're wrong? And you give her the shot and you put her down and you've murdered her. What if I murdered her? You become irrational like that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When she passed away, I screamed, my baby girl. And I just sobbed and sobbed. But I had a connection with the Scottish Fold Rescue League. And I phoned up and I got my Zinzi pie from whom I named the company. I was about to say that something something really good came out of that little name. Oh, yeah. And you know something? You're going to think this is crazy, but that's okay. Cat ladies are supposed to be crazy, right? I was about to say, I'm wearing a cat scrub and cat earrings and a cat necklace. No judgment here. No, no. Yeah, you got it. So, and look at the, look at the, um, the picture in the back. That's actually crocheted with cat prints. I was wondering about that. That's beautiful. Thank you. So, I actually saw... Zinzi Pie, Lindsay Sky in my apartment before she came. And when I took her, when I got her, she went right under my armpit. And the person from whom I got her said, this is not an adoption. It's a reunion. And she was my constant companion. And I, I just loved her very much. She had so many special things about her. But when she was diagnosed with a chondroma, I really did believe that it was not going to, that it wasn't true. I kept dreaming and I kept saying to to. In my dream, I'd say to my doctor, Dr. Christine Conway, I would say, gee, Dr. Chris, I don't know. It just went away. Isn't that interesting? I just can't believe what happened to it. Dreams do weird stuff to us when we're worried. I do that, too. I'll dream of something happened that upset me that day. I'll have a dream that either it didn't happen or that it resolves. Yeah. And so I was so sure that she would beat it. But Dr. Chris, um, one day she turned, one day my beloved my beloved Lindsay turned her face to the wall, and I thought maybe she was impacted. So I brought her to Dr. Chris. Dr. Chris said, come bring her in at 7 in the morning. And there I was. And I brought her in, and Dr. Chris said, let's see where we are with the x-ray. And she said, the cancer has eaten through the bone. I could give her more painkillers to keep her alive. And I said, nope. And you know, you know cats hide pain so well. You would never know until it's too late, you know, that they're, they're not feeling good. So at that point, I can all of a sudden, it was so strange. Why were the tops of my shoes wet? Where'd this water come from the top of my shoe? Because I was just, just, my tears were falling like rain. I couldn't stop crying no matter what. And I held her and Dr. Chris said she was dead before the needle came out. And I just stayed there and I just couldn't believe it. It's like that Skeeter Davis song. Why does my heart go on beating? Why do these eyes of mine cry? Don't they know it's the end of the world? And it was, it really was. But I had to go back to school 
I had to go and attend a conference. And it was one of those conferences where I signed in and spent the whole day crying in the bathroom. That was, that's how I was when, when one of my dogs died, I, I went to work the next day and I just, I just kept crying. I had to keep excusing myself and I work at the vet. So every time a German shepherd would come in, I would, I would just have to leave. (laughs) I'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't be up here. Are you a tech or are you the, are you the tech? I'm, I'm a, I'm a desk wench. So I'm a receptionist. (laughs) I'm a receptionist. (laughs) I actually did some tech work for a while. Did you? I I wanted to be a tech. Yeah. It's wonderful. But my problem with that was that the, I had a situation where there was an emergency. A young boy came in, this car hit my dog. And I cried harder than the family did. And the little boy had to comfort me because (laughs) this may sound terribly, um, it's as though I'm against humans. Now humans know what they're doing. They know what's going on, but pets don't. They're such sweet, innocent babies. It was, it was a very, a very difficult time, but, but I fell in love with them. I was clipping the claws, the whole room of kittens in 15 minutes. But my own cat, Fally B, she, would, she learned how to keep her claws in when I would express them. And then she would take back her paw and say, <laughs> Not today. That's right. And, and they're different. Claire is a princess. I'll have a petty petty, please. Exactly. Exactly. In Albany, I had the option of taking some courses outside the anthropology department. And I took some in neuroscience. I had hormones and Oh, I loved it. Hormones and human behavior, neurotransmitters and wonderful stuff. And I had the option to do an externship. And one of those externships involves slicing rat brains. Rat brains have to be kept at minus 20 centigrade like ice cream for long-term storage. But because I'm left-handed and the machine was, of course, for right-handed people, I wasn't as fast a dexterous enough to slice the brain. So I had another option, and that was to be an extern at Capital District Psychiatric Center. And I met a lot of very tragic cases there too. But I had my Lindsay. She was always there with me. And I went back to Wayne to be with my mother. And um, we sold the house that we had then. We moved into Four Seasons. It was funny because I didn't know if they would accept cats. And I made these frantic calls. And my mother said, don't you know if you make those calls, they're going to think you're going to bring in a lion. I didn't know. I mean, I was not going to go if they wouldn't take my cat. We lived there. We had a, a good time. And I realized most of my time was spent with her there. But as an adjunct professor, which is where you end up, even with a doctorate, you can, have an, you can be an adjunct. So it means that you work on a semester-by-semester basis. So definitively, it's very stressful. You have no job permanence. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Hey, pet parents. This is your favorite lifestyle guru, Renee Michelle, and I'm excited to tell you about my new show on Pet Candy. Join me and make some cute pet stuff. Talk about life and love and everything in between. Check out the Renee Michelle show on mypetcandy.com and let's have some fun. Probably doesn't look too good on a loan application when they ask about employment. Ooh, thank you, does not. So on a semester-by-semester semester basis, so you, the first thing that happens every semester 
is the full-timers get their pick. Then when they're done picking, because they have a contract, and for William Patterson, they have to teach four classes a term. And for some other courses, some other schools, as many as five. So then what's left over goes to the more senior adjuncts and then to the junior adjuncts. So even though I've been with William Patterson since 2011, actually earlier, 2003, I'm still a junior adjunct. Wow. There's no advancement? Wow. That sucks. It, it does. So what happens eventually after that is when the more senior adjuncts take what they have, then you get to pick. So now you've got your courses. If the course doesn't fill, it gets dropped and you don't get to teach it. If the course does fill, you might get to teach it if you don't get bumped by a more senior adjunct or a full-timer. So it is a predicament. Is that when you created your, your business? Actually, it, it, I thought so, but it, it actually had a precursor. When I, was, when I moved into my home in Hamburg, New Jersey, I came across my beloved leather-bound planner. We all had them in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I looked in the front and I had typed a note. I have a 21-year-old ancient cat who's insulin dependent. If I am found non-responsive, this is the number for my veterinarian. So it really had its origin way back then, in about maybe 1998. That's so true, too, especially people that, that live by themselves with, like you said, older pets that are insulin dependent or even just not just heart meds, but something that they need meds every day. That's right. But even more than that, even if they don't are not dependent, they'll starve. Now, what happened later was just the idea of knowing if I never came home, what would happen? That is always deep down. If you were to ask a pet, a loving pet parent, what their greatest fear was, that would be it. What if they never came home? Your cat or dog would be bereft and terrified and would starve. And this has happened time and again. And breeders especially. If you lose, lose one or two, it's a tragedy. But can you imagine these cats rattling at their cages to get out to eat and they can't get out and there's no food because the parent's dead or can't come home or is in a coma? I've got a friend who's doubly vaccinated. She's been in a coma with COVID-19 pneumonia for a month. Can you imagine waking up and them saying, well, you've come back now. You've been in a coma for a month. And I said, but my cats, my cats. Oh, you had cats. I mean, that would be it. It's okay. Take me out. I'm done. Yeah. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. The question became how better to let the world know than to follow the lead of medical or jewelry. I came up with the Save My Pet ID tag. In the front of it is the number and pets and type of pets I have. It says four cats and my address. On the back is the contact information for one of my friends who's got the key to my home. So if anything were to happen to me, that would be it. They should come over and care. In fact, something did happen to me. Um, I had labyrinthitis, which is another name for hell. Um, I don't know if you know what it is. I don't. You say labyrinth, then I think of David Bowie, and I'm all for it. Well, you wouldn't want this one. What happened is you get a virus that will go into your ear and go in. You know that the ears and the eyes and the nose are what we call special senses. They hook up right to the brain. So ultimately what happens is that the ear will hook up to vestibular cochlear nerve eight. It's a compound nerve. You've got one on either side. So this virus went into my right ear and it inflamed my right vestibular cochlear nerve. 
but not the one on the left. So um, I already told you that I'm a, an avid kickboxer. I kickbox every day. And I had taken a strength training class from eight to nine. And then from nine to 10 was it was just a plain kickboxing class. Well, the class was almost over. And all of a sudden, the room began to spin rapidly. And my eyes, when I opened them, the room was spinning so fast, it was a blur. And so I sat down hoping that this would clear up in a minute or two. So my friends put me into the room where the desk was between the strength training room and the gym where the kickboxing was taking place. And they said, we're going to call 911. I said, no, no, don't do that. Sure. Yeah, no, you never want people to call 911, you know. Then the fun began. I became a vomiting machine. Oh, God. I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, oh, if you're dizzy, then you get nauseous. And oh, I hate being nauseous. All I did was vomit. When the time the police came, 911, I couldn't wait. Back me up in a gurney, and of course, every movement would make it worse. And they just said, how much pain are you in? And I just said, dizzy, nauseous, dizzy, nauseous. They had to dangle me over the commode because I couldn't move. It was awful. And then you're dehydrated, and then you feel worse. My All my muscles went into contraction and spasm because I was dehydrated. So they put me on IV fluids. They figured out what was wrong. But meantime, I had my Save My Pet ID tag, and my friend was at my side. She had the key to my place, and she showed me pictures of my cats. And even though they said, okay, we know Auntie Katya, but where's Mommy? Right, right. They were terrified because they didn't know where she was. They knew where I was. Yeah, cats don't really like change at all. No, not at all, but at least they knew. And I I was just there for overnight. I was driven home in a snowstorm. And when I got home... I kind of crawled onto the bed, and all four cats were licking me. Oh, they missed you. They were grooming me. They were caring for me. They knew. They know much more than you could ever imagine. Oh, sure. And cats love us just as much as dogs. I think cats kind of get a, a bit of a rap for being a little more standoffish and more... Oh, you saw how standoffish Roy was. Oh, gosh. So, so standoffish. Just won't even come to you, right? Definitely not a pudding. So. <laughs> It just takes a good cat. Cats love you just as much. I love, and I love cats. The beautiful Claire cries for me to hold her. She likes to be held. A sweet little girl. And so does my big son, Harley. He waits for me. He jumps over the fence and sleeps, and he waits for me to the bottom of the stairs. Let's see if we can find him. You are probably so warm at night when you go to bed with all those kitties. I've got the fan on. Everyone pays such, mo- such good money for a weighted blanket, but I have mine for free. Right? Just get you a cat. Where's Mr. Big Stuff? Wow. He's gorgeous. Wow. I got me a cat. He's as big as a whale. He sits about 40 and he's ready to sail. Look at that boy. What's that on his forehead? Is that just the way his fur is? Yeah, I think maybe if I turn on another light, you could probably see him better. (gasps) Look. Oh, my gosh. It's like a playground babies. Okay, that's a new life goal for me. I want a wall bridge for my cats. One of our boxes is kind of small and our biggest cat, Kimari, he gets in it. So he's in the box, but his little bottom is hanging out of the box. So it's like, well, we just got, which we got a bigger box, but it was just so funny because we had like all these boxes, but that was his favorite. And it's like, that's the one you don't fit in, my guy. That's right. That's what they like. I ended up getting mortar mixer trays that will contain 20 pounds of cat litter. Okay, that's a good, that's, that'll last you a little while as long as you scoop it. Oh, 
nope, only about a week. I have, nope, I have three of those boxes. And the nice thing, I use feline pine. So you can take the poo and flush it down the toilet. Yeah, feline pine is good stuff. Oh, I love it. And when I got little Ruthie, she, she knew the minute she saw it what to do. And because she's so little, she's only six pounds. To get into the litter box, she has to do a flying leap into it. It's so cute. Oh, baby. And her poo is distinctive. She makes little Ruthie nuggets. Isn't that funny, the things we get we, that we notice and love so much about our pets? It's like, oh, my gosh. I know at the clinic, some pets that, you know, when they're constipated or whatever, we get so excited when they poop. And it's like, why are we so excited about this? Hey, when Fally B was on the morphine patch, I had to give her an enema. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've had to do enemas before. Yeah, because anything that operates on the moo receptors, a narcotic, is going to make you constipated. So that was a very difficult thing to do, but it had to be done. Sure. And she felt so much better after, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Now, also, in addition to the, the necklace, we had the bracelet version. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Hi, I want to tell you about my new show, Simply Pets with Shannon Gregoire. We talk about pets, life, love, and everything in between with the coolest people on the planet. Don't miss out on the fun. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice. Okay. And it's from the pictures I saw, it's a lot like the, like you said, like the medical bracelets that people wear. And except for one little difference, did you see instead of the medical look sign, it's a little paw? Yes. I expected nothing less. It's adorable. I love it. In fact, when I get mine, I'm going to wear it and the necklace kickboxing and have my design team videotape me. Cute. Oh, yes. That's good. So we can see how durable it is. Yes. Now, is it made out of, is it sterling silver? It's all stainless steel, all made in the USA. The necklace version is $39.95, all engraving free, all customized engraving free. The bracelet is also $39.95, customized engraving free. The keychain is $25, all engraving free, all made in the USA and stainless steel. We are going to upgrade eventually to sterling silver and then gold. And it's cute from from a distance. It just looks, you know, for our listeners, it just looks like a necklace with a paw print from a distance. So it's not like you're wearing a, a tag, quote unquote. It's 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 very cute. I like it. Um, I feel the the security. No one really vocalizes this to themselves. Are you a, are you a fan of Anne Rice at all? She wrote the Vampire. I do love Anne Rice. Well, if you remember one particular incident where an angel speaks to a human and says. Your kind has only one great wish. And you know what that is? To die in your sleep. Oh, that's true. And that's really it. Because we humans do not think about that. We, we actively try not to think about that sometimes. But that is what we all want. Oh, no, no. I want to die in a blaze of glory on the New York State Thruway. Yay. No, I do not. I don't even want to know I died. I just want it to happen. That's right. That's exactly it. So likewise, all beloved pet owners think that one thing. What if I never came home? And the minute I say my pet ID tag, that big fear was taken from me. I couldn't figure out why I felt so happy and so free. Oh, and your marketing's so good. Listener, she's got a 
a picture and it's of a sweet dog and his little face and it says, what if you never come home? And it's like, oh my God, I'll do anything to make sure you're okay. That's it because it's true. And especially now, people are going out. They realize this dog I took in, this dog I took in has to be walked every day and will miss me if I'm not here. Oh, back to the bitch story. I promise. This is the story. Well, one of my friends has neurological Lyme disease. And she had to put down her 13-year-old lab. And, oh, oh, it was the worst. And so the next thing was, she kept saying, I need a dog to get me through this. I need a dog to get me through this. And so, and so I said, okay, we're going to start praying. We're going to do the bitch prayer. Bitch, 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 bitch. And so it would get better laughing. And so I would call her up and say, any bitches manifest yet? And she said, well, there are four bitches on the horizon. I said, okay, we're working. Keep going. Bitch, 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 bitch. And finally, she went to visit a bitch in Connecticut. She said, I found a sweet-faced bitch. Oh, how nice. That's what we all want, a sweet-faced bitch. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I say the bitch prayer every day, and I didn't even know I was doing it. Oh, but that's it. So she got a sweet-faced bitch, and she got a puppy called Archie. She named him Archie. And this dog catapulted her health. You would not even know she was sick now. Yes. And not just mental health, because I know it's a big thing with mental health pets. They do. They help your depression. They help your anxiety. But they help your your health, too. They get you up. They get you moving. They keep you going. They give you a reason. And and there's something about the love of a pet. I want to care for them. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, when I hold Claire to my breast, I'm going to say it. Okay, I'm crazy. That's all right. We know that. I want to nurse her. I want to pick her. Those fangs would kill me. I know that. Yes, <laughs> that would be infected AF. Yeah, like a pet puncture wounds, like the back to Anne Rice, right? Right, right. Full circle, full yeah, circle. That's it. But she's such a sweet little girl, and she just wants to be helped. Here she comes. Here's Claire. What do you want to do, Claire? I don't like when my pets feel bad, but I do like caring for them when they feel bad. Like that special. I'm gonna just lay with you and love you and pet you and. Here's your medicine and here's some food. And I love to care for them. Let's see if we can find tiny Ruthie. There she is. Here's my Ruth Ruth. Look at that angel. So tell me about Scottish folds. Are they, are they especially affectionate as a breed? I, I really don't know much about them. Well, they're, they're, they're known to be a, a dog in a cat suit. For, for our listeners that don't know, Scottish folds, they're, they're, they're kitties, but they have floppy ears. And it's the cutest thing ever. They look like they have little owl faces. She does. And they have kind of kind of smush faces, too. They're very cute. And she's so sweet. She, when I had the deck, the Homeowners Association does our decks every so often. And power washing. Harley, the big one, was cowering behind one of the toilet bowls. But Ruthie was out in the front, of course, in the safety of the house. She was looking at the deck. And she was hissing and spitting and growling. And I'm thinking, okay, Ruthie, what are you going to do? Jump up and bite the nose off? Right. Well, she could. She could take them. I don't know what they're looking at. Harley, this is where I usually, when I usually teach my classes, here's my son. Oh, look at him. They're looking at something. I don't know what they're looking at, but they're looking at something. <laughs> It's so creepy when cats do that. Mine will do that. They'll all be looking at something. It's like, guys, (laughs) 
Who's visiting from the other side? One time it was really funny. A couple winters ago when I first got them coming out of hibernation and she was looking for a place to hive. And because she was sluggish from sleeping, I was able to catch her with a towel. But I just came out of the shower and my cats were all looking at this sluggish bee. And she was pretty big, too. So I was able to catch her in the towel that I was going to dry off with. Oh, I've done that before. I've, I I saved a, a spider in algebra one time or was like, you know, crush it, crush it. I'm like, no, spiders eat mosquitoes. Mosquitoes spread heartworms. We like, we like spiders. So I brought the spider outside. I was like, you know, deal with it. Take that. This is dinner. Can you see it? Uh-huh. The beautiful Claire. Isn't that sweet? The beautiful Claire. She's the queen. You see all the food? Yeah, there's each bowl has a different cat food in it, a different can. And then each, there are two different kibbles. The one on the right is, is duck from Dr. Elsie's. It's duck kibble. And the other one is, is Purina. It's for kittens, but I'm, they're allowed to have it anyway. It's egg and chicken. Ooh. And they love it. And that's my little Ruth Ruth. When she gets underneath the furniture and I look at her and I come there and I start to pet her and I say, Ruthie, tell me every little thing. Oh, <laughs> baby. She herself is a little thing, but so am I. I'm a little thing too. Oh, I, I am not. <laughs> I'm a big thing. <laughs> well, that's important, I tell you, because um, it can be a little scary out there for us little people. Oh, <laughs> Speaking of faculty, I keep thinking because Roy is such a sweet boy, I keep imagining that one day I'm going to be invited to a faculty meeting. You know, when you when you get stressed out, laughter is the best medicine. Absolutely. And so I kept imagining well, I'm going to go in with an evening gown and I'm going to wear Roy as a stole. <gasps> yes. When we had ferrets, that's what we did. We took him and, and just put him over our shoulders and it was, oh, it was so fun. Yes, please do that. Your students would love that. I could come in with a little, with a little head and a tail, and um, and the medina would be served, and he would crawl off, be on the table, eat his fill, and crawl right back on, and nobody would know. The class that I developed for William Patterson is called Humankind's Most Unwelcome Guests. It's co-evolution of humans and pathogens, especially parasites. Of course, I developed because really parasites refine their hosts because if there were a commandment like in the bible for the parasite it would be thou shalt not kill thine host or thou will be without thine room and thine board that's true same in animals yeah oh that's uh, exactly so in fact many parasites had their origins. The so-called diseases of childhood were really acquired during the Neolithic when humans began to domesticate these animals. The big five, horses, cattle, sheep, 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 pig, goats. They all had their own retinue of parasites and pathogens. Now, when we are literally cheek to jowl with them during domestication, guess what's going to happen? Those parasites and pathogens that could, that had the genes that would code for them to parasitize humans would live long enough to pass their genes on. And in the beginning, because these were novel diseases, just like corona is novel, nobody co-evolved with it. So no one had the benefit of the parasite having to mind itself so it wouldn't kill its host. 
So in the beginning, the beginning of the Neolithic, people died, many. But there were some who were resistant genetically because of the way genes are. It's a kind of a random phenomenon. So those that were resistant lived. Those that were not died. And so all of a sudden, we are the descendants. So one of my friends had made me a very cute prop. Um, she made me a tapeworm. She crocheted it and had dressmaker hooks as the scolex. That's great. And then she made me a little sack of protoscolices to wear like a belt. It, was, it makes a real flash. It really does. It's a great teaching tool. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. How do you do it? How do I do what, Jess? How do you manage to do it all? What's your secret? How do you do it? I can't keep up. Oh, that's simple. I make things easy. Ashley, what? Come on, tell me the truth. Yes, Jess, I make things easy. I order everything online. Groceries, food, clothing, veterinarians. What? <laughs> you order veterinarians online. Come on, girl, quit kidding me. Yes, Jess, I do. When I have a question or my pup isn't feeling well, I Petsy it. Petsy is a free app that lets me talk to a veterinary professional instantly and for only $20. No, are you serious? Only $20? Yes, and I love Petsy. I can talk to a veterinary professional 24-7. It really gives me a peace of mind knowing that Petsy's there when I need them. Wow, Ashley, you amaze me. I'm downloading Petsy today. So does that mean you're paying for lunch? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> James, this has been so much fun. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? If, if our listeners want to get in touch with you or check out your amazing Save My Pet ID tags, where can they go to do that? The website. I see I can put something in chat. Yes, and we can link it. We'll link it in the description. It's just, it's savemypetidtag.com, and you can order directly from the site. And we're going to have merchandise coming out, too. That's so exciting. Working on baseball hats, hoodies, polo shirts, coffee mugs, and stickers. All the merch. That's right. And, of course, tank tops. Hey, hey, listeners, the, the holidays are coming up, too. So just throwing that out there. SaveMyPetIDTag.com. Hook up my friend, Miss Janice. <laughs> Thank you so much, by the way. I'm honored. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been so much fun. I've loved listening to your stories. You are so smart and a little, little above my level, but I love the way you said it. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe button. See you all next week, and until then, remember, the best pet is the one that you have at home. It's Pet Candy. Pet Candy. Pet Candy. It's Pet Candy Radio.